please rise? Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We're here to remember Steve's life. James Stevenson Mitchell, we're here to worship God primarily because everything we do, we want everything to glorify God in our lives. But this is a special time to gather together uh, and to ask the Lord to meet with us and to grant us the comfort that he's promised, to grant us a peace that passes understanding. Let's pray to him. Heavenly Father, you have said you'll meet with us, uh, so here we come. We come in the name of Jesus. By your grace, we know Jesus. He's our friend. He holds us by the hand. He shepherds us. He died for us. Heavenly Father, we therefore are encouraged. We are courageous to come before you and to ask God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to come to this place where we've gathered and to be with us, to be Emmanuel to us, and grant us the opportunity to worship, to remember, and to thank you for the life of Steve Mitchell. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. The Lord gives us comfort in his word, and at the heart of that comfort is his promise to be with us, to be with us as our shepherd, to be with us as our great redeemer, And as he is with us, uh, and as we gather to seek his comfort, to remember Steve, to give him thanks, uh, to give the Lord thanks for Steve's life, Jesus himself invites us to find rest in him. Hear God's word from Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord Jesus is a faithful shepherd through joy and sorrow, through peace and through turmoil, through life, through death, and on into everlasting life. In this psalm, David tells us that the Lord's care for us is like a shepherd's care for his sheep. Comprehensive, total, meeting every need at every point. Whether that need is for green pastures, where there's safety and rest so that sheep can feed. Whether that need is still waters so that sheep are not fearful and can drink and find refreshment. Or whether that need is the comfort and protection of the rod and the staff, guarding against enemies, the wolf coming to snatch the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the one who walks with us through each of these moments in life. David talks about the Lord in the third person. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And yet it's in the midst of going through the valley of the shadow of death that he says, not he is with me, but you, you, Lord, are with me. In the most stressful and trying of times, uh, those are the times in which we can say directly to the Lord with faith, you are with me. The Lord is with you. You can know and claim this promise for yourself because Jesus has gone through the valley of the shadow of death into the grave and risen from the dead and conquered death on our behalf so that we can have hope that death does not have the last final word. The resurrection life of Jesus Christ does, and therefore we can have hope that Jesus is a faithful shepherd through joy, through sorrow, through turmoil, through grief and through death into life everlasting. David reminds us, the Lord, he is with us. And you can say, Lord, you are with me in this. But the Lord himself also promises to be with us. Isaiah 41.10, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then later he says, For I am the Lord your God who holds your right hand. It's a beautiful, intimate picture that the Lord paints here of not only holding us in his hand by his strength, which never fails, with his uh, promised presence. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us, but also that he holds our hand. That's a beautiful picture of the Lord's comfort and a promise for you uh, in your loss that the Lord is with you. The Lord himself holds your hand through this. He says, do not fear. One of those commands that we all love in the Bible. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious for anything. And we think, okay, we'll just 
grin and bear it. We'll just get through it. We won't be fearful. We won't be anxious because God said not to. And yet it's underneath this command uh, that we find God's promise. He doesn't just say, do not fear, good luck. He says, do not fear, I am with you. I will uphold you. The strength that you need not to fear is the strength that Jesus gives. The strength that you need not to be anxious for anything in the midst of loss and confusion and grief is the strength that he himself promises to give unfailingly and without reservation because he has promised and he always keeps his promises. You can find comfort in God's presence and in God's grace for you. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, uh, Jesus invites and welcomes us to find rest in him because he is gentle and humble in heart. It's an invitation for all who uh, bear life's burdens. And if anything, uh, losing someone you love, losing Steve is a burden that you bear. Hear Jesus' invitation and welcome to you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said that this is the only place in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus opens up to us a description of his very heart. We, we see Jesus' heart, his character, his love on display all through the pages of Scripture. His redeeming power, healing the lame, opening the eyes of the blind, unstopping the ears of the, death, of the deaf, raising those who have died, forgiving sins with God's authority because he is himself God in the flesh. We see Jesus' heart on display, but here is the only place where Jesus says, this is what you're seeing. And what does he tell us? He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and humble in heart. He's gentle. He's approachable. He understands our lives and our troubles. He's not standoffish. He doesn't stiff arm us until we figure things out, and then says, come to me. He says, come to me, not because you've got it figured out, but because I am gentle and I am humble in heart. Jesus is accessible. He's approachable. We can come to him with our burdens because he is gentle and humble. He's humble. He's lowly. He associates with the outcast, with the downtrodden, with the needy and the afflicted, which is why he says, let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for to them belongs the kingdom of God. Though Christ is the Lord of all, holy, without sin, he is accessible to the afflicted and to the burden and bids us to come and find rest in him. Are you weighed down? Are you burdened? Is your heart heavy? I know it is. Jesus knows it is. Weighed down by life weighed down by sin, weighed down by sorrows, weighed down by grief uh, and your loss. Whatever it is that weighs on our hearts, Jesus says, place it on his. Because he gave himself for us at the cross, bearing not just our griefs, our sorrows, our burdens, but bearing our very sin 
uh, in his flesh, taking upon himself all the judgment that we deserve so that we might be freed from it, so that we might have life and forgiveness and the hope of eternal life and know that his resurrection is for us. Jesus is saying to you, give me the burden. I can take it. I will take it. I have taken it at the cross. And in exchange, he promises to give rest. Peace, the peace of God that passes all comprehension. Uh, Today, you are at least weighed down, I know, with grief, with sadness, with loss. Uh, Death never comes at convenient times when we're ready and can handle it. Uh, it always hurts. It always pierces our hearts. You, you hurt because you love Steve. You didn't just love him in the past. You, you love him still, and he is not here, and that, that's hard. But Jesus is here, and, and Jesus welcomes you to come to him for grace, to help in time of need. Go to him and find his rest, the one who is humble, gentle and humble, in heart. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are a great Savior, powerful enough to speak, and the wind and the waves obey the very sound of your voice, powerful enough to call forth Lazarus from the grave after four days of being uh, in the tomb. And yet you are gentle and humble in heart, and you welcome sinners to come to you to find rest, to find burdens lifted, and to find joy and hope in the life to come because you have died, you have risen, and you are coming again. Lord, we pray for your comfort for this family as they grieve, uh, that in loss they would find hope uh, in the gospel, that in grief they would find the promise true that Jesus has spoken. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, You have printed on the back of your bulletin, Amazing Grace. Uh, We'll, I'll ask if if the family may remain seated. If, If everyone else would stand, we'll sing this together.
as the family was coming in, we were, we were hearing, uh, how great thou art. And as, of course, that's speaking about, about God. He is great. And he is so great that he's running the whole universe and, and more. I don't even know how to talk about it, but here in heaven and everywhere there is a where, <laughs> he's, he's in control of all of it, now, far beyond creation here. And he, and nevertheless, he is involved, he's, he's intimately acquainted with all our ways. He's involved with all of our lives and all the times of our lives. We, there are many various relationships with Steve here. Some, such as Eloise, from, from the time of his conception all the way through his life. Uh, some of y'all, I mean... Uh, Mabel, uh, the, the relationship, this, this wonderful closest relationship that's even more important than father and mother or children, uh, and, and the, the, that establishment of that relationship, and then, uh, and then the severing of that relationship. And that's, that's part of the reason we're, we're grieving and rejoicing at the same time here. And then the children, grandchildren, another generation after that, and other relatives and loved ones and friends. The Lord takes care of all of our lives every step of the way. And, and, and He has a relationship with us. We have a relationship with Him. Uh, it can be rebellious. Uh, it can be rejoicing. It can be worshiping. But there's always a relationship with God because He created every one of us. No matter what we think about it, He still... He is our creator, and we're actually made in his image. Ecclesiastes 3 talks about our lives and different times in our lives. I will not tell you that if you want to accept Jesus today, that everything is going to be hunky-dory from here on out. That's not in the Bible. Now, Dave read Psalm 23. I'll be with you when you go through the valley. That doesn't say you don't have to go through it. <laughs> it doesn't say you won't have challenges. He'll be with you. So in the, this list of things in Ecclesiastes, it's not that some, you can cancel out some of them. You can't do a cancel culture thing on this. It's, uh, you, you, you get all of them one way or another, and they're good and they're bad and they're interesting and they're, they're, they're a lot of different things. But I will tell you this. The sooner you latch on to Jesus being your Savior, the better off you'll be when you get to such things as a time to kill, as a time to die, as a time to weep. Doing those with Jesus is very different from doing those without Jesus. And so I would encourage you as we start to think about our, your relationship with the Lord throughout your life to the present time, uh, and Steve's and Mabel's and his working with them and the promises that he gives. There's an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw stones, and a time to gather stones a time to embrace, and a time to shun embracing, 
a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker in that which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men which occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate, or you could say beautiful, or or appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Now, you know, when, when, you, when you want enough time to do, when you, when you want to wait to see if you get that next bite of uh, fishing, if you want to, uh, I, I, one of the ways I disobeyed my mom growing up was she'd call me in for supper, and I would say, as soon as I can hit five baskets in a row, then I know the Lord wants me to go in. That's not good theology. That's, that's called disobedience. <laughs> when mom called me, I should have gone. But... That, that's a matter of, uh, we always want a little bit more than what we have. Why? Because we're created for eternity. Where Steve is. We're still down here. And we're still struggling with the time. And, you know, is it the right time? Is it 10 minutes to 3? Is it 3 o'clock? Is it time to go in? Is it time to ask the people to stand? It's, we live through this time, but it's in preparation for eternity. And I, and I pray that the Lord would be with you all the way. You'd, you'd, you'd latch on to the Lord now and ask him to forgive you and live within you. As we go through these times, and as those times may be in intensive care, maybe in the hospital, maybe struggling at home, maybe going through treatments, maybe going to see doctors, maybe talking with people at the funeral home. He never leaves us. He says at the end of Hebrews, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So we say with confidence, my, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord works wonders. In Steve's dad's life, that was one of the greatest miracles I saw working. And I, I pass on to you two testimonies from, from Jim to, today. And one is that first verse he memorized from 2 Corinthians 5.17. And some of y'all have checkerboards he made. And so I'm passing on to that testimony. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, or the old things are gone. New things have come. And then another thing I learned from Jim was Psalm 91, the way things have worked out. Dave and I are preaching through the Psalms. We're we're doing that for uh, a 15-month period, and it so happens, you know, there isn't any such thing as luck, Uh, Lord willing, I'll be preaching on Psalm 91 tomorrow morning from this pulpit. Well, Jim taught me that Psalm 91, verse 1, that was his 911 verse. Call on the Lord, 911 verse. And I'm convinced that, that Steve knew everything he needed to know 
about a relationship with the Lord. And talking about Ecclesiastes' time, the Lord gave him time. When I, when I visited Steve, like a pastoral visit kind of thing, I had to do almost all the talking. The only time that didn't work that way is when I ran into him at Lowe's. And all I had to do was ask him one question, and I could just listen. <laughs> uh, and he thought deeply. He was a deep-thinking man. And uh, I believe the Lord allowed him to, to think about things of life and death as he began to know, I think, that he was approaching the end of his life. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all their ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Then he gives seven or eight I will promises. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Because he has known my name, I will set him securely on high. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. The Lord is merciful. The Lord watches over our life. Psalm 91 doesn't mean you'll never die if you love the Lord. Moses, you know, is dead. Oh, dead down here on earth. He's alive in in glory. Isaiah's dead. Esther's dead. Mary, Jesus' mother's dead down here on earth. All of them alive in glory, worshiping the Lord. So this doesn't mean you'll never die or you'll never have cancer or you'll never have a a, a fender bender or, or, or sinus infection. Uh, it's just saying that anything that comes to you comes through nail-scarred hands. Uh, Jesus has you in the palm of his hands. And he has you, Mabel. He has you, Eloise. He has you, Gail. Where's Gail down on the other end? All you children and the grandchildren. Great-grand. That's, he's, he's with you all the way. He is merciful. We'll, we'll sing a modern song. You know, the first song we sang was, we're getting ready to celebrate, I'm not ready to sing yet, we're getting ready to celebrate, um, you know, the, the founding of this country, July 4th, 1776. It was about that time that John Newton wrote the, the words for, uh, for Amazing Grace. And you know, he was, uh, he was the captain of a slave trading boat, and he understood, he began to understand that that was the wrong thing to be doing. And he knew he needed grace. And so we've already sung about the grace that he, has, he, has, that he found in Jesus and told everybody about. 
Uh, this other song is a, that we're going to sing is a newer song, very new. Uh, but it's on the same subject, grace and, and mercy. His mercy is more. When right after uh, the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments, uh, and then, of course, the people had rebelled. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a terrible time, and, and, they, and they could see the power of the Lord. They, and it was, you know, earthquake and fire and clouds and loud voice and trumpet sounds, and God was powerful, and, and Moses wanted to see the Lord. And we found the Lord saying how we should view him. Although he is all-powerful, if you come to him and ask for his help, what's he like? When you come to an almighty God like that, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him, that is with Moses, this is Exodus 34, as he called upon the name of the Lord, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will no, by, by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children on the, and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. The Lord makes promises to his children, and those promises go for their children and their children and their children. Curses can last three or four generations. Those blessings last on for a thousand generations. The Lord is gracious. The Lord hears our prayers. And just as Eloise and others prayed for Jim for a long time, also prayed for Steve. And Eloise and Jim prayed for me. <laughs> And the Lord hears our prayers, and when we pray, we can stumble around on them. You don't have to have fancy words. All you have to say is, help, Lord. I need you. Forgive me. He promises. He's a powerful God, and he responds to our prayers. In James, we, we read, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Uh, the effective prayer, uh, or fervent prayer, of a righteous man can accomplish much. And so we claim the promises. And we claim the same verses we started out with. Jesus came, Jesus told us he was leaving, and Jesus told us he was going to come back for us. Um, he will come back from all his children, and, and the time will come when the, with the great trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, and resurrection will take place. But between now and then, if, if I don't live long enough to see that great day of, of his return, then he'll come for me as an individual. And I might have a vent. And I might have IVs coming out of all sorts of different, going into all sorts of different areas. 
And I might be scared. Um, but I know he's promised to come back for each one of his children. It's not easy. But he, the, the, the death of, of his loved ones is precious, according to Psalm 116, 115, 15, verse 15. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the word get, world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said, we don't understand. It's called Doubting Thomas. So Jesus told him and told us, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that can be at any time of life, from the beginning of life to the end of life. For John the Baptist and for Jeremiah, it evidently was actually in the womb, but all the way through to the end of life. The Lord is faithful to his covenant promises. The Lord hears our prayers in the name of Jesus. And the Lord grants us comfort. And I say to you again, you don't know when the end of your life is. Don't wait to the end of your life because you can't schedule it. In fact, don't wait another day. Give your life to the Lord. His times, our times are in his hands. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessings on Mabel. We thank you for her faithfulness. We thank you for her love for you. We thank you for the days and the months and the years and the decades you gave to her and Steve together. We ask your blessings on Eloise. We thank you for her love for her son and her daughter and her husband. We ask you to sustain her. We, we pray for Gail. We thank you for Gail. We pray that you would strengthen her. For indeed, the home going of a, of a husband, the home going of a son before the mother or the father goes, the home go going of a sibling, a brother or a sister, is heart-wrenching and stops us in our tracks and, uh, and tempts us to uh, go into depression. But, Father, we pray that the, the hope of, of eternal life, the power of the Holy Spirit, would lift up these three in your hands. And we pray for Calvin and Michael and Stephen and Brandy and their families. We thank you for other relatives, those who are here and could be here and those who are not here and could not be here. We... We all need the ministry of the Spirit. We all need the hand of our shepherd. We all need to be held close to his bosom. We all need the, 
the Lord of life to hold us and convince us that he has broken the back of the power of death and hell and sin forever. Be our best friend. Grant us peace. I would ask, Father, that the members of this family would be able to grieve heartily, that they would be able to weep, not just cry, but really weep and that in the process you would bless them with the knowledge of your presence we know that in eternity all of our tears will be dried we'll have no more sin we'll have no more sorrow there will not even be any of that time we've been talking about in a sense it'll be all over but in a sense as for Steve, it has just begun, and it never ends. May this family be blessed with the knowledge of your presence tonight and tomorrow and each day as it comes. We believe, help our unbelief. We need mercy. We're like the beggars on the side of the road. Lord, have mercy. Lord, son of David, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. And I ask that you would convince each one of us that whatever our sins are, however many they are, however depressing they are, however weighty they are, whatever, whatever sins we have on our backs, may they be rolled off our backs and down into your sepulcher, your tomb, ever to be paid for, having been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we be convinced that however many our sins are, your mercy indeed is more. We put our trust in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen. I ask the filbert strings to come forward again and lead us in singing, His Mercy is More. Again, the songs are on the back of the, the, the words are on the back of the bulletin. Let's stand. Does the family want to stand? Y'all want to stand too? No, you don't. Y'all stay seated. That's fine. Everybody else, would y'all stand if it's appropriate for you to stand? And let's sing to God's glory.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and the communion of His Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen.